And now, a presentation on the Mental Health News Radio Network. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Ryan, that is a freaking awesome question. You are the power, and you do not need anybody's permission. He's the only guy that ever crawled out of a grave where people didn't go, oh, ah! Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride. You're, you're a great interviewer. You're one of the best. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of an Truth Radio Show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we have a deep, introspective interview with an incredible teacher. Very excited about this, but before we begin, I don't know about you, but I spend about, I don't know, 12, 16 hours a day following the news. Uh, Mainstream media, alternative media, all types of media, and every time it literally feels like I am doing the backstroke in a pool full of sewage. It's just awful. There's so much terrible news, and I don't know how I'm alive, psychologically speaking. I highly recommend you don't do that. I highly recommend maybe you do five or six minutes. Don't do 12 or 16 hours. And sometimes I think when you hear bad news on a regular basis and you see this stuff, it's like it's supposed to disempower you. I think they want you to feel completely marginalized. They want you to live in fear all the time. And I think when you're in fear, you know, give away all your personal power. Well, well, guess what? Our featured guest is going to teach us, present some really wonderful lessons on how to look at life completely differently. Guarantee you're going to walk away from this feeling better. You will feel better in some capacity because you're going to see life in a totally different way. Let us begin. It is a profound honor to welcome to our show for the very first time, Shunya Morty. I'm going to call him Shunya today. He is an incredible teacher. You learn more about him by going to his website at satyoga.org. A lot of his teachings you can find on YouTube. And he always seems to have this calming, soothing effect and greater insight into this world, something very unique. Shunya, welcome to our show. Namaste. Thank you. Namaste. All right. So for a person who's based in the world and looking at what's happening, I guess primarily looking at the world through their ego, through the human, and maybe not necessarily being having the access to that spirit, How do you perceive the world at this present moment compared to how a typical person who is completely constrained by their body, who is not in touch with the spirit, sees the world? It's a very good question and a difficult question to answer because even to put it into language that would be understandable to such a being with the the many false beliefs that you are describing uh, make it impossible to understand what real freedom is, okay? So what uh, the process of yoga is, is freeing oneself from everything that is false. And we can begin with the fact that you are consciousness, not the body. The body is simply a vehicle of consciousness. And when you have realized that you are consciousness that pre-existed the body, 
and that will exist after the death of the body, you enter an entirely different space of consciousness that is free of many of the constraints of the fear of death, the fear of abandonment, the fear of loneliness, all of the psychological defenses of the ego you become free of. And the, the ego is weighed down. In fact, you could say all it is is a network of defenses around the heart, protecting the heart, but the ego itself doesn't know its own heart. So the, the self that has realized who it is, who we are, who the one self is, is completely free of all of those uh, egoic um, ideologies and projections that have created our suffering. And once you've achieved self-realization, there, there's no longer any suffering. Suffering comes from illusion. So it's a freedom from all illusion. And the illusion has many, many levels these days because people have so many false beliefs about science, about psychology, about uh, evolution, about matter, uh, the beliefs about uh, society and politics, all of those, one has to let go of all of that to know what freedom really is. And then one has to let go of the ego itself because it's the ego concept that obstructs the infinite nature of consciousness. The truth is there is only one consciousness. There isn't a multiplicity of egos. That is an illusion. That one consciousness has created this illusion like a dream or a holographic simulation of a world, but actually we have never left the one consciousness. So the sages uh, of classical times and of Eastern wisdom all say the world is unreal. It's Maya. It's an illusion. It's literally a projection. And physics now will say the same thing. But we can understand it theoretically, but it's not the same as realizing it fully. So the difference between, let's say, an ego who has studied some spiritual thinking and, and uh, uh, spiritual uh, paradigms of reality is not in the same position as one who has realized the truth of it firsthand. And that's, that's the, the, the level that we need to get to and why I think everything that's happening in the world today is happening, to awaken us to that need to achieve realization, which is total freedom. But it's the difference between studying electricity and getting electrocuted. They're totally different. You can study all you want what the body goes through if it's hit by a bolt of lightning. It won't be anything like what happens when the bolt actually hits you. And that's what self-realization is. Well, thank you for that answer. I love to help people to get to that point. Curious how they can get to that point. And when it comes to the ego, okay, so if you are a point of attraction of infinite consciousness and you are the spirit within the body, people seem to, I would imagine this, that, at least my experience of this, is that it, the intuition seems to be related to how I'm feeling in the body. If I'm healing, having a gut feeling, I'm relating as my body because my point of attraction, my vehicle for this reality is the body. And I know the ego apparently, as you said, is supposed to protect the heart. So at what point can you actually have a healthy balance where your ego is navigating yourself through this reality, where you're accumulating experiences that are necessary for your spiritual growth without completely discarding it? Because I 
know a lot of these teachings say, well, you have to, you know, push the ego aside, put it to death and keep it away. But don't you have to have some uh, necessary aspects of ego uh, to be running in order to sustain your life, to sustain your livelihood, to sustain your body, your vehicle, to attain more experiences in this reality? Mm -hmm. It's a very good question. Thank you. The ego has certain aspects that are real and other aspects that are unreal. So the ego's false beliefs are unreal, but its capacity to think is real. But the ego is not using that capacity accurately. It's not reasoning. It's not thinking clearly. It's thinking incoherently. So we have, a, we have two vehicles in our lives in the phenomenal plane. One is the physical body. But that's chemistry and physiology, and, and it, it is, in, in a way, not conscious. It's conscious at a certain level, a cellular level, et cetera. But the real vehicle that we use is the soul vehicle. Now, people in the ego are not even aware that they have a soul vehicle. But the soul vehicle is a, a vehicle that extends and has a lifespan way beyond that of the body. So you've had many lifetimes if, in the soul consciousness. And this life is only the last of a long series. And you're able to call upon all the wisdom of all of the series of those lives. And then you can navigate this world much better using the soul vehicle than the ego vehicle. So the ego is almost like a tumor in the soul. It's a, it's a cancerous, uh, false uh, uh, network of defensiveness uh, because it's mainly based out of fear and lack, which creates desire, greed and attachment and all of that that constrains our freedom. But the soul vehicle is in touch with the spirit, with the absolute self, and is able then to use the intelligence of the infinite self to navigate through the world. So you can live much more successfully, much more empoweredly, much more uh, focused on what is true and achieving the optimal outcome of all of your efforts in life. Whereas the ego tends to have within it a, um, a, a superego figure or, or a, uh, a figure that is uh, creating a kind of self-sabotage or self-betrayal within it. it. There's a death drive. There's such a fear of being fully alive that there's a suicidal tendency or a tendency to close down within a protective shell. But the soul, because it's fearless, opens up to the infinite, opens up to love, opens up to empathy, and is able to live in real beautiful relationality with nature and with other beings, and to see what is best and truest within them, and thus to create a very positive kind of living environment, uh, rather than one based on paranoia and uh, delusory uh, projections. So I would say shift from the ego vehicle to the soul vehicle. And from there, then, liberation is very easy to attain. Okay, thank you for that great answer. And when it comes, I mentioned that ego is kind of primarily based in fear and doesn't maybe protect you or prevent you from experiencing the totality of your spirit within the body. In today's reality, I don't know, because I've only been around for a number of years, I've not been around this earth for hundreds of years, at least not that I can remember, but it seems that today there are a lot of people that wish to infringe upon the will of other people, they wish to sabotage, 
their life, their liberty, their pursuit of happiness. And I wonder if now is one of the situations where, okay, well, maybe the ego, this is where the ego is meant to step up and kind of do its dirty work where, you know, this is where it's called upon because how do you resist the tyranny of the masses? How does one resist the uh, will of others which control you and wish to harm you? Is there any way you can do that without um, in a peaceful way or must you go into your ego and to put up a forceful resistance? No, you see, that's where I think people make a mistake, um, because uh, the more that you resist, uh, which you do out of fear, uh, as well as out of some self-righteousness, the more that the world resists back. Uh, and, and so you, you create a deadlock and you create a situation where you, you will enter into the strong point of the enemy rather than their weak point. Their strong point is, is violence and attack and tyranny and oppression. And if you try to strike back with the same weapons, you can't win. You have to use the weapon of wisdom and of divine intelligence and love in order to defeat this enemy. And this was the teaching of all the classical religions, but we have now reached the secular age in which none of that is believed in, and people have no contact with that higher power any longer. But it's only when you have contact with that that you know how to work with the phenomenal plane. Because if you understand that this is a dream field, then the more that you identify with the dreamer rather than with a character in the dream, the more power you have. And so that's my suggestion. Don't resist from the space in which you have no freedom because there is no freedom or power within the dream. That's all constrained. But if you're the dreamer and if you're lucidly dreaming the world, then you can make changes that you cannot do from within the ego level of consciousness. Thank you. I love that. I love the idea of identifying with the dreamer. And I've interviewed three individuals who've talked about their near-death experiences. One individual said that when she had died, she actually merged in with the source. She said there was just one infinite consciousness. And there's another gentleman named Dr. Stephen Greer who mm -hmm. talks about there being one, talks about how you know, you're within. So to identify with the dreamer, to do that, what are two of the best methods to get there? Do you have to uh, fast? Do you have to meditate for a prolonged <laughs> period of time? How do you get to that point? Yes, I think meditation is the most direct way but it's a meditation in which you have to flatline the mind. You have to reach a level of complete mental stillness and a turning within of your attention toward the source of your awareness. Okay. And when you have done that and you have literally stopped the flow of thoughts, you discover that that's all the world is, is a projection of thought. And the world literally disappears in light. It becomes what it really is, which is what the physicist David Bohm spoke about as the implicate order. You realize that the entire universe is based on an intelligence that's beyond time and space. It's not within time and space because they are just a projection and they're unreal. 
and you reach a level of eternal consciousness, that eternal consciousness is then able to act within the frame of reference of space-time and the apparent unfoldment of the explicate order, but it does it with the total knowledge of the implicate, and it does it without fear, because there's a non-duality between that absolute state and the relative state. The finite is within the infinite. It's not outside of it. They are not two. So yes, it's true what you said, that God is one, or there's one infinite absolute consciousness, and all of us are manifestations or nodes of that one consciousness. When you've identified with that one consciousness, rather than with a finite sliver of it, then that power of wholeness is what enables you to act with great wisdom in which the whole is served. And because the whole is benign and, and is characterized by goodness and purity, we can understand everything that is happening in the world today that seems evil and dark and terrifying as actually a great blessing. And this is what the religions of old used to talk about when they, they, they spoke of this moment that we have now arrived at, which is the moment just prior to the apocalypse. We are in a rolling apocalypse right now. It's happening. It's growing every day. It's, it's increasing exponentially. But what does that actually mean? If you're identified with a body, it's terrible because yeah. bodies are being killed and, and, and deceived and destroyed and mutilated by all kinds of ways, not just injections, but now food shortage and soon nuclear war. If we see all this from the ego perspective, it looks like this is terrible. It's How could God yeah. allow this? right? All of that. But if we understand that the, because the world is now suffering, because it has fallen into illusion, because uh, ever since the end of the 19th century, when Nietzsche declared God is dead, and he did die in terms of a reality that people could access, God has come into the world as death. So we now have a world of mass death. But what death really is, as you just said to the, about these people with near-death experiences, it's a return to the source. It's a return to the light, to the bliss, to the beauty, and to the intelligence that can then redream the world as a heaven, as a paradise, as a beautiful place without any of the evil that's now in the world that's only here because we have fallen away from our true nature and we have acted out of illusion and out of fear and therefore out of aggressiveness as well. If we eliminate all of that, the world will appear again in its true pristine nature of beauty and goodness. But we have to recognize that we are already dead. We think we're alive, but if you go back and into the self, the real self is in the realm of death because it's nothingness. It's absolute nothingness. There's, there's the being that seems to be extended in space and matter, but the consciousness is absolutely without any objective reality. It's simply a, a container of all that appears in the dream, but it's emptiness. And th but that emptiness is more real than all of the objects in the world that the sensual uh, uh, modalities allow us to, to believe exist. They don't actually exist, but they're projections of that implicate 
order in which all of time and space are present in every moment. It doesn't unfold linearly. And when you're in that state of consciousness in which the mind has flatlined, you, you enter that eternal consciousness. And that's when real power is granted. Excellent. Thank you for that wonderful answer. And love to get to that point. Just to um, say one thing is that talking about the darkness for this world, I find it very difficult to get to a point of inner peace, specifically because of what is happening with children of today. I do not I love animals. I, I don't. I'm a vegetarian and I don't want to harm any animals at all. And it's always difficult to see the way the animals are brutally killed. But the way yeah. that children are being sexualized today, the yeah. pure evilness upon them, I, that is a point where I just I have not been able to transcend that and to become one with the spirit. I, I fall right into that um, anger, tremendous anger, wanting yeah. to do something about it. So I always wonder, OK, if you are somebody who is not an active participant in the global death cult, if you have love in your heart, if you truly wish to be a part of a greater world, why do people like that, the points of attraction, the source, have to live in a reality where other people don't have those values? Why do they have to live in this uh, death cult reality? And is there anything that people who don't support this, you know, this terrorizing of children and animals and darkness in the world. Is there anything we can do to accelerate the apocalypse, to, to get it on faster so we can get to that beautiful reality? Yes, there is, in fact. That's a very beautiful uh, question. Thank you. Because the, the more of us that enter into that singularity of divine light, the more power the light has to wash out the darkness. And, and then immediately eliminate the illusion of this world and all the evil that you have described so well, all of that will disappear because it is only a dream. When you wake up from the dream, it's gone. It doesn't actually exist. So let's say you dreamt last night of, uh, of children being abused and horrible things happening and you, it was a nightmare. When you woke up though, you realize, oh, it was only a dream. It's not like you have to go back in the dream and save those children. They're not really there. They were manifestations of consciousness. So all of the evil that exists as a projection in the world is there because we have had evil within ourselves. And it, and, and it appears as our karma to have to face that. When we recognize and we purify all the evil in our own minds, all of our own hidden sexual lusts, all of our own greed, all of our own desire to dominate and be in control and have power, when we have eliminated all of that and really surrendered to the light, the world looks totally different. And, and when enough of us do that, when a critical number do that, the entire morphogenetic field of the planet shifts and, and this dream of Kali Yuga, of the dark Iron Age, disappears and a new dream of a Sat Yuga, a kingdom of heaven, if you will, a golden age, appears. And everything is different and beautiful. And there'll be no memory even of all the evil that we'll have, we have, have awakened from and we're in a new dream and the old dream is gone forever. That's what we can accomplish through realizing that we are the light, not just seeking the light, not begging for it or just even praying for it, but realizing that we are in fact the light and the source of that power to shift the world. Claim that power fully 
and you will see that the that we will move from uh, the iron age into the next golden age very quickly without any suffering minimizing it completely by our own having become free of it ourselves yeah thank you for that wonderful answer and love to wake up from this nightmare of our reality you know just the world right now but when it comes to the forces of darkness totalitarianism does that energy in itself eventually collapse upon itself does there need to be considerable effort from those on human uh, nature to go into the light or will the darkness eventually collapse upon itself and uh, you know get us there eventually without even any effort from the light yeah the, the the light is already here the light is operating this is like a play and, and you know all if you go back to the ancient greeks they created theater based on the understanding that time is a circle it's not linear it's not a straight line and that circle is divided into four basic quadrants each quadrant in the indian uh terms is called a yuga uh but you could call it an age and they called it the golden age, the silver, the copper, and the iron. And there's a final fifth age, a little sliver of age in which everyone awakens who, who is a seeker of the light and, and returns to the light while they're alive within the iron age and redreams the world. And so a new golden age begins and the cycle starts over again, but in a, a more beautiful, infinitely beautiful divine world. So we are in that point where we can achieve that that change very easily but we have to realize that this entire cycle is something we have gone through and and we must complete but you see the human beings today have amnesia for all of the other uh, yugas all of the other ages there's hardly any memory left of of even the copper age let alone the silver or the last golden age they're there in myths and legends but they're confused they're not they're they're not the same as having histories. And because we have forgotten that, we have forgotten and lost touch with our inherent powers of consciousness that we have allowed to atrophy. You see, it used to be that we had powers of, for example, telepathy, and we could connect with everybody. We didn't need iPhones or any of that. We've put all of those powers into technology. We have to take them back and realize that they are soul powers that we've projected into machines. We don't need the machines. We can even bi-locate. We can be anywhere we want in the universe because pure consciousness is in a quantum entangled field and we are both everywhere and nowhere. And so we can make our world anything we want. We have such tremendous powers of consciousness that once we reactivate them from their current latent atrophied condition, we become literally as gods, which is how we are intended to live. And that's the power we have to gain. And then there can be no resistance from these evil fools who tend to control us only because they have technology that has been given to them by spirit. Once we withdraw that, the technology won't work anymore. It will collapse. And only the power of goodness that comes from the light, from the spirit, will, will dominate, will prevail and be victorious over the evil. And then the new world will come into being effortlessly. Thank you. I'd love to see that happen sooner. You will see it happen. I, want, I, I definitely want to see it happen. I worry about the 
the fact that so many kids in this world, especially in the U.S., they are completely indoctrinated in the point where I, I feel like when I was growing up, I, I know that the school system was changing, but I always I always knew it was being controlled. But now the kids today, they're not even being taught, you know, if they're male or female. There's just so much confusion. And I wonder, because those kids are being affected by it, I imagine that's going to be at least 20 or 30 years. No. Then, then it's, how would they, how, I just wonder how the shift is going to change. And um, I always wonder, too, when things balance out, will there, will, will there be a divine retribution against the darkness or does the darkness kind of go quietly into the night when no people are no longer focusing their point of attraction on that? Like, do they lose their, does the darkness lose its ability to be fearful, to be controlling when people no longer give it attention? Or is there kind of like a divine um, being within source's mind that comes in and kind of knocks it down like a bowling ball to pins? It's something like that. You know, when when you when you leave the body, you don't just go straight to the light, especially if you've done a lot of evil things and you have a lot of bad karma. You go into what the Tibetan Buddhists call a bardo state where you meet up with some very wrathful deities and they settle the score with you. So, uh, yeah, you don't get away scot free with mistreating other people, especially not children. And you wouldn't want to know what goes on in those bardo states. But the Tibetans describe them as having your skin flayed off and, and a real horrible suffering of those who have done these terrible things. So, no, karma balances out and there is justice and fairness in the world. But the court of, of final judgment tends to happen after the death of the body, not in it. However, the karma that the world is going through right now that looks so terrible is actually the settling of all of our own sense of guilt and sinfulness from past lives. And so what looks like suffering from outside actually can bring a person to a state of peace. And when they die, when they leave the body and they have settled their karma because they haven't fallen into evil things, they go, as you saw from those past life regression uh, or or, or near-death experiencers, they go into the light and there is forgiveness and there is grace and there is peace, and there is understanding of why all this had to happen, and one realizes the perfection of it, that it's not the way it looks from the ego place, like evil has taken over and it's unfair. No, it's not really like that. But we have to learn from this. We are all accomplices in the world's having become a hell realm, and everyone must take responsibility for their part in it, and, and become divinized so that we no longer co-create a hell. And when we are partly uh, re- creating a heavenly realm, even within while the hell is still there, the hell realm changes and, and the, the powers of goodness become manifest. And this is what is going to be happening in the near future. And I don't think we have 20 or 30 years left. You know, the the giving of the lethal injections and the deception around all of that was an intention to to kill their own population by the governments. Since they couldn't accomplish that, now they're going into engineered food shortages and famine and and, uh, freezing because like in Europe and other places, refusing to buy the gas and oil from Russia, et cetera, they're causing their own populations to die very quickly. So, and then they're going to bring on nuclear war. 
All of this is going to end the world very quickly and very soon. And so the suffering will not last very long. And although that might seem like a horrific idea, when you understand that your everyone's consciousness is going to be drawn back into the Godhead in order for a new dream, a new world to come into being, then you realize the blessing of all of this, that it's, it's like a, 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 the world is terminally ill and suffering and God is creating euthanasia, is ending that suffering as rapidly as possible using these means that the evil people think they're controlling, but they're actually serving ultimate goodness without realizing it. Thank you. I love that answer. I, listened, I interviewed a gentleman named Max E. and I followed the work of Del Bigtree, uh, two gentlemen. And one thing that they, they said that it was kind of um, an interesting perspective is that they were bringing up the possibility that what's happening in the world right now is actually a purification of human consciousness, a purification of the human race. And it sounds sick and twisted, but mm -hmm. apparently this, this may have been a test in the deeper consciousness of humanity to make humanity stronger, to see who would actually resist and who would stay strong about this, because a lot mm -hmm. of people got caught up in this really quickly. And I, I was so shocked to see many people I once considered dear friends fall for this and be completely on board with a lot of the stuff that was happening. And it was just so shocking, but I, I, I don't know if I feel stronger for it. I'm still kind of shocked, even though it's been a few years since it happened, but from your perspective, do you feel that that uh, could be uh, true in any capacity that uh, this was part of humanity purifying itself, become stronger to experience a beautiful reality for the world to come? Yes. Th this is a rite of passage. It's a test of, of our own purity and of our own intelligence and of our own goodness. It's a test of our courage. And, and the, the horrors that are happening are finally causing people to awaken and to realize that they have fallen into a trap. We used to be the crown of creation, and now we've become a slave species. Well, no one who has any human spirit left is going to accept slavery. And so because we are faced with that, we're kind of in the Exodus situation of the Bible, you know, where Moses said, we got to get out of Egypt. We're not going to be slaves anymore. And when they finally got it together, that they, they uh, were, were going to go for freedom or death, right? You know, they're not going to, to accept slavery. Then the Red Sea opened, then the pathway to freedom and to Mount Sinai and to the burning tree of life, all of those symbols of God consciousness, that all of that comes in the train of our willpower being focused on gaining back the freedom of spirit that God gave us in the first place and not being intimidated by any of these evil powers that are false. And, and the, the true nature of our being is immortal and eternal. Consciousness does not die. And as soon as we realize that we are spirit, we become invulnerable. We, be, we become spiritual warriors who cannot be defeated. And even if they kill your physical body, your soul body, your light body will act as an angel and still be able to act in the world even more powerfully as an, a warrior angel in the light that destroys the evil of the world very quickly. And so every day, as people are leaving the body, many of them are becoming angels. The ranks of the angels are growing. 
and the ranks of those who are earthbound spirits who have died in confusion and in inaccurate consciousness because they have no bodies to go into. You can't reincarnate now because so many have died and the birth rate is so low. There aren't very many new bodies being created. So the incarnation is over on this planet for, for this plane. It's gone. Jesus, what does that Women mean? are becoming infertile because of the injection and other reasons and so we are literally at the end of the lifespan of the human spirit and the human species for this cycle but it's like we are swarming now into the angelic level of consciousness and we are bringing about an end to the darkness and a new springtime at the end of this winter of the world and this is the, the blessing, that we are able to serve God at a higher level than, than we have done while being alive. It seems that all this, what's happening world, always revolves around human beings. And I wonder if it's part of the human ego to think that, okay, well, yeah. all the chaos in the world happens because of, of human nature. And I look at other species. I look at dogs, I look at cats, I look at birds. I wonder if they are completely in line with uh, true spirituality where they are like living in the present moment. Because my dogs, they live in the present moment. I love that. I wonder why does all this chaos revolve around human beings? Can human beings align oh. themselves with the other animals or even plants or other parts of nature that are not bound and corrupted mm -hmm. by human egos? Can we align our energies with that? to bring about change in a more peaceful like manner? Can we strengthen ourselves by being closer to nature? Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's what paradise really is. That's the whole idea of the symbol of the Garden of Eden and all of that. Yes, we are one with nature. We should be part of nature. And nature is an expression of God. The animals are, are doing what they're supposed to do. The difference between the animals and the humans is humans were given freedom, the free will to act either in accord with nature or to go in against nature. And we have used our margin of free will to go against nature, to conquer nature instead of being in accord with it. We wanted to dominate the cows and, the, and the, all of the animals and the horses and turn them into war horses and all of that. We wanted to be the dominant species. We didn't want to be part of, of a cosmic wholeness of a Garden of Eden. And so we turned the world into a hell realm and developed technology for warfare to destroy nature, to turn it into profit-making natural resources. We raped nature. And we're very guilty for our mistreatment of nature. That's probably our major sin. And we have to uh, atone for that and once again serve nature and serve the creator of nature by giving up this desire for dominance and, and surrender our ego because the ego was that part of our consciousness that caused us to make a mistake to go wrong and, and to choose uh, dominance over uh, the, the wholeness of being part of, of the beauty of God's creation. We wanted to recreate it in our image, not in the image of that infinite consciousness. Leave it up to humanity to mess up like this. I'm, yeah. I'm, curi I'm curious about your background and how you came to be where you are now. How, what was your life like? And what were some of the maybe the most challenging aspects of your life that you transcended that helped you become the person you are today? Okay, well, this life has has a long, uh, uh, let's say, uh, 
period of uh, preparation, there was a time back in the 60s when I was, you know, part of the, the anti-movement and all of that and wanting to, uh, to serve and to resist. Uh, and uh, I discovered that uh, the movement fell apart. It didn't last. It didn't. The counterculture failed uh, to use its altered consciousness that it got from LSD and other uses of psychedelics to rise to a higher level of consciousness. And it fell back into the capitalist mindset. And when that happened, then I tried to serve in different ways. I tried to serve as a lawyer, uh, but I discovered that the system was frozen. You couldn't serve in that way and change the system. You would be, you would, you would have to compromise yourself. And the more you compromised in order to be part of the system, the less you were able to effect a, a transformation of it. And so th I moved from there to try to serve as a, an investigative journalist and then a foreign correspondent to try to write uh, features about what is really happening. And then I discovered that you couldn't write the truth in any mainstream uh, newspapers or magazines. They wouldn't print it. Uh, and, and, uh, and if you uh, tried to do that, you would lose your position. You had to follow the party line. And so I had to break away from all my efforts to try to work within the, the social order to bring about change and to discover uh, how could I make change in consciousness that wasn't dependent on all of these social structures. That led me to uh, the study of psychology and it led me to spirituality, uh, eventually uh, to go to India. And there I met some enlightened beings and I joined an ashram and I studied for a long period of, of 10 years really of, of, of sustained study in India, although I went back and forth, but I was mostly centered there. But while I was also doing that, and, and uh, back in the US, I studied Jungian psychology and uh, psychoanalysis and Lacanian theory and various other uh, uh, kinds of theoretical constructs of how does consciousness work. And so I became very interested in the science of consciousness. And then I discovered that this science already existed in the ancient world, and it was called yoga. And so I, I, I went very deeply into the, the science of yoga, not just in the way that I was taught it at the ashram, which was, uh, let's say, a, a, an approach that was um, more based on um, understanding of the, the spiritual symbols. But I wanted to get into an actual conceptual understanding of how you transform consciousness. How, how you go step by step up the Kundalini ladder from the lower chakras to the higher chakras and activate all of the chakras in alignment with that absolute spirit. So it's been a long journey of self-education in which I have been able to integrate the East and the West and, and physics along with metaphysics and, and to create a paradigm that I could transmit to people to help accelerate their spiritual journey of, of transformation. That's what we're we're doing in Sat Yoga. It's a residential ashram community in the remote mountains of Costa Rica. Uh, and, uh, and people come here for retreats and some to live uh, and, and to be devoted to transforming the consciousness and then changing the morphogenetic field of the planet.
So we want to be part of what is being born, not part of what is dying. And my life now is helping others to reach that level of liberation while alive and, and to transmit as much hope and as much knowledge as possible throughout the world. And, uh, and the more people awaken, the sooner the world will be transformed into uh, a heaven on earth. Shinomorte, I want to thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing your wisdom. I, I absolutely loved hearing your answers and your insight, and I think it was very empowering, and I think a lot of people are going to walk away from this with a lot of fresh ammo to take on the forces of darkness and hopefully create this beautiful reality that we, we all want to have happen. To learn more about Shinomorte, please go to our website at satyoga.org. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, and namaste to all. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show. Special thanks to our unbelievable guest, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Constance Dallas, and our social producer, Jenny Lamisa. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace love, and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening.